Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Free Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Our number is 291 6901. And we are here live and in person this morning. There you go. <laughs> Strange that may seem. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, you know, with the Mardi Gras holidays and stuff, of course, uh-huh. I live in New Orleans now most of the time, and it's very, very difficult to get out of New Orleans when they got parades across every possible road. <laughs> well, and you know, Getting out is easy part. Getting easier. back in is the easier part. Yeah. yeah. Getting back in when they start rolling those things. And they roll so many parades now. Oh, they do. There's two, three almost every day during your the Mardi Gras season, right. particularly on weekends. And you just can't get out, can't get in. So we've had three recorded shows in a row. A little unusual for us. Right. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> you got a question, comment, you give us a call. It's 291-6901. And that'll get you straight up to us. That's right, and use the area code here in Baton Rouge, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. And should you happen to miss your prime opportunity to get a live answer this morning, you can always get your questions answered by going to our website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, fill out the little form that pops up, and send it in. There you go. Sure wish you would. Appreciate hearing from you and getting your opinion on whatever. We were talking a little bit before the break and before we came in, actually. Uh-huh. And you know, there's a term in the automotive industry that we, I guess we kind of coined it. It's NEFR. Right. N-E-F-R. And basically what it means is not economically feasible to repair. Correct. And everybody, and most of what we talk about on the show is keeping your car a longer period of time and saving the money of buying a new car, a newer car, and having that money available to your family to enjoy in other ways, which we find is a wise strategy. But there is also certain vehicles that they're just not economically feasible to repair. Right. They get to a certain point where the repair is just a whole lot more than, um, than what the car is worth. And at that point, it's time to to make a decision. That's right. You know, you don't want to put money into something that is going to be a money pit for you. One of the things we see that a lot is with vehicles that have been sitting for a long period of time. Sure. And it seems like a lot of times a person will bring a vehicle, normally tow a vehicle in. It's been sitting for five, six, ten years, whatever. And now they want to bring it back to standard. Right. And and it can be done. It can be done with enough money and depending on how it was stored. Right. But for the most part, when we get into these vehicles, they weren't stored properly. Right. They were just where, just where it stopped is where it stopped. That's right. And you get into the situation where it's going to cost so much to try to bring this car back. Sure. That it's just not economically feasible to do that. And it really depending on what type of vehicle it is when you get started. Well, that's right, because certain vehicles tend to age better than others. Right. Also, certain vehicles have a lot more value than and others. Some parts are available where others aren't. That's right. We're going to go to our phone lines. We've got Bruce on the line. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. I just have one simple question. Go ahead. I've got a 17 F-150. Does that thing have a power steering pump on it? Nope. No, it's going to be electric power steering. Okay, it's all electric. Uh, yep. all that, that's all I wanted. Yeah, it's got a big motor, Mr. Bruce, down on the rack and pinion. looks almost like a starter motor or something. And Two big cables going to it. Yeah, the I guess the only big problems we see with them, being a truck, 
people don't think too much about driving through the mud and driving through the rain and all that. And Ford, in their infinite wisdom, stuck that motor way down low, right in front of the cross member, hanging off the rack and pinion. If you drive through water 12, 14 inches deep, that motor's probably going underwater. Well, you don't have to worry about that with me. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so long as it's used properly, electric power steering is kind of the way everything's going. That started out on the smaller cars, and now it's going into pickup trucks, almost everything now. I guess they're tooling up for the day when there'll be electric cars, and they're not going to have a motor to drive a power steering pump, but... Well, they can do so much more with that electric steering now that they could with the hydraulic steering. Right. You know, they've got the self-assist park, the self-lane change, right. the self-lane you know, lane, uh, monitors. Because the computer can control they it. They can control all that now. It actually just sends power to that motor, and that motor helps assist turning that racks is basically the short of it. Yeah, so basically you got a self-steering car now, or the ability for have to have right. a self-steering car. Okay, well, with all that electric stuff... I haven't learned to work the radio yet. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, you know, those things are kind of ridiculously expensive. They are. And with, they're fairly fragile, if, you know, in the scheme of things. Well, for a truck, they are. In a car, they're not so bad. In fact, most of the cars, the motor is inside the steering column, so it's inside the car. For some reason, on the trucks, it's generally down on the rack and pinion, so it's outside the vehicle, and it's exposed to a lot more stuff, which seems ought to be the other way around to me. But they can be anywhere from probably... A low price of around $1,200 up to a high price by $2,000, when they break. So it's, it's definitely an expensive piece. Yeah, because I'm not All sure right, if the motor. Thank you, man. All right. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. You know, I'm not sure if the motor is serviceable on those racks or not. that is. I know there's a little belt inside of some of them. Some of them, yeah. But I don't think they supply that belt. Well, you couldn't change it if it was. Yeah, it's a stretch belt. To, well, you'd have to take the whole rack and pinion apart because it wraps around mm-hmm. the shaft of the rack. Mm-hmm. And the only way to get that out would be to remove the shaft to take the belt out. So it's a non-serviceable part. Yeah. It's a belt as a belt is. Yeah. And I'm sure it's a t- it's probably EPDM rubber. And it's, sure, it's uh, probably going to last. stretch belt. It's probably going to last the life of the vehicle. Or, well, well, it's going to last the life of the vehicle when it goes out and flies over. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's just another one of those things, just the way things are going. Right. You know, you buy a car now, you don't really think too too much about what kind of power steering it has you just get in there and it turns okay and it's everything's exactly. great and it's got some nice features got collision avoidance so if you start to go into a lane the wheel kind of pulls back against you but you don't think about all the mechanisms that it takes to do that right and back in the older type vehicles with hydraulic power steering i mean most people who are relatively handy would not think twice about putting a power steering pump on their own car no maybe or a changing hose. the steering gear or a hose or right changing the fluid and all those sorts of things but with this not only is it going to be difficult to replace you're most likely going to have to have a factory scan tool to reprogram the rack when you do change it exactly so, and you know they have a fail safe on them they will turn the light on if something catastrophic happens right but the few that i've seen fail have not turned any kind of light on they just give some strange symptom symptom <laughs> yeah it's just, just one of those things. I mean, I've not seen anybody lose steering. And technically, the way it's made, you do still have a mechanical linkage oh, yes. to the rack and pinion. So if the power if, section of it were to die, you could still you can still turn, turn the wheel. Right. You can physically still turn it, although lower speed parking lot speeds will be extremely difficult. Well, um, not unlike a regular hydraulic steering. If that is going out. out or the belt comes off or whatever. It gets right. More, the, me- the mechanical advantage is still there. Right. The link. So, anyway, it's one of those things you're going to get whether you like it or not. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. I guess you just have to learn to deal with it. I know we had a gentleman who had emailed, and he said he tried to jumpstart 
his granddaughter's car. Okay. Battery was dead. And he wanted to know where the power steering pump was. He says, because for some reason, the power steering quit working after that. Right. And he couldn't find a reservoir. He was wondering if maybe it was out of fluid. And I said, well, no, that's electric steering. And if you jump started it, particularly if you went to that big box that looks like a battery, mm-hmm. that's actually the fuse box on that car. And if you jump started from there, you probably blew the fuse. It's got like a 40, oh, it's, 40 it's 50 a big amp, one. big maxi fuse on that thing. And right. As it did work out, that was the case. He was able to change the fuse and get it going again. But it's just one of those things. It, and it's not really new, I guess. That's been out. No, it's been out for a long time. Yeah, I'm talking mid, about mid-2000s. Yeah. Maybe before that. Especially in the smaller cars. Yeah. And it, like you said earlier, it works great in the smaller cars. Yeah. The, the car is actually smaller. The motor's up inside the vehicle attached to the steering rack. Steering column. It's column, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And got a manual rack and pinion in it. It's a real good system when it's working Mm -hmm. there's there's no maintenance on it at all no fluid to change no belt to keep up it's great until it breaks right and when they go bad well it's just a matter of replacing when it goes bad there's nothing you're going to be able to do to go in repair it or you know hyundai had a problem with their power steering Mm -hmm. you would hit the you go to turn the steering wheel and it would rattle back and forth in your hand okay and come to find out there is a rubber connection that goes between the motor and the gear on the rack. Okay. It costs like a dollar twenty nine. I didn't think anything costs dollar twenty nine. I didn't either. <laughs> I was surprised when I saw it. But you have to take the column out, take the motor off, and you can change that piece and put it back together. Hmm. In fact, I think there was a recall on it. Yeah, it may have been. Not I, too long ago. I know GM had some recalls on a lot of theirs in the Saturns and some of the smaller GM products right. back years ago and I don't remember the component that was, but that component was available separate because mm-hmm. of the recall. It made the component available separately. I don't know if it was the module in the steering. I don't column. remember. And really, the whole steering column was not terribly expensive in those days. I want to say that steering column was in the four hundred dollar range, which yeah, it's not bad for not bad considering when you get an electric rack and it, like I said, they're anywhere. I think the cheaper ones around twelve hundred dollars. More expensive mm-hmm. ones probably up to two thousand dollars. I know we put one in a late model. It was a Suburban or a Tahoe? The Tahoe got yeah, hit and hit broken. something and broke the rack, mm-hmm. uh, hit right on it, and that was a very expensive little component. It was. And there was no core available because his was broken half, so sure. he had to pay the core charge and the, and the price of, of the rack. rack. So, yeah, it was a pretty pricey little experience for him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we were talking a little bit about cars that are not economically feasible to repair. And, like I said, the, the one that comes to mind is the car that's been sitting for a long period of time. Sure. And what happens, particularly with, like, the ethanol fuels and all we use today, and a car has been sitting for five, six, seven years, this fuel has separated, turned into moisture, sludge, and it usually takes out the fuel pump. It takes out the fuel tank. And if you try to run it, it's probably going to take out the injectors Mm -hmm. because this sludge just gets pumped all through the system. Now, by the time you buy a fuel tank, a fuel pump, the lines a set of injectors instead of injectors and the labor to change it right on a relatively modern car that is going to come close to the value of the car easy and another thing that we see a lot is like brakes the brakes the hydraulics will corrode up sure. because the alcohol and the fuel is fluid it's not being used it soaks in it starts to corrode the brake system so you hit the brake pedal and it goes to the floor and the master cylinder's puking out the back. Of course, it's puking into the brake booster, right. so which takes that out. So you're into a booster and, and a master, master cylinder at the very least. Then now you, you have this. Well, you start bleeding, and then the caliper start leaking, and the rear cylinder starts to leak. So, and it leaks all over the shoes. 
So now you're into a mega, mega brake service. Well, not only that, but the fluid now has contaminated the ABS valve, which has hung up all the all the, the seats and well, it's been everything sitting, in it. Well, it's been sitting in one position for five to seven years. So it quits working or it bypasses just like a master cylinder. Mm-hmm. So that, that little jewel right there could cost you anywhere from 1200 to $2,500, depending on the vehicle it goes into. That's correct. And we haven't even begun to address things like the transmission. Sure. You know, it's been sitting there. All those steel valves are sitting in an aluminum board, dissimilar metals, not moving. They've etched themselves into that position. So the point is, improperly storing the car was probably the biggest thing, but just letting a car sit like that is a, is a very, very, very bad thing. Yep. It's really, really difficult. You know, back I know back in the day, you used to have what they call a barn find. You'd find a 32 Ford been sitting in a barn somewhere, but that was such a simple car. Well, and think about it. You were... You already found this car in a barn. Mm-hmm. You were already expecting to spend an absorbent amount of money to get it rolling again. Right. So you were kind of, you were already prepared, prepared for it. And a lot of people could do a lot of that work sure. themselves. That car was all mechanical. Yeah, it, every piece of it was mechanical. Even up into the 50s and 60s, sure. it was virtually all mechanical. There was very, very few right. the wire, electronics. The wiring harness might have been half an inch thick. Right. Now, today's modern car, the wiring harness, some of them are inches thick. Well, unless they don't have a wiring harness because they got class 2 serial data, and, and that's a whole other story. But, yep. you know, the thing is, you're not going to be able to do a lot of the work yourself. You may be able to do some, but a lot of it you're not going to be able to do. It's a huge amount of electronics on there. All these parts start to go bad. So what you end up with is a car that's just not economically feasible to repair. Correct. And I guess the point of the matter is you want to before you start spending money on this car because what i see a lot of times someone find you know they've got their old car there and they to them is still a great car it's just been sitting for 10 years the first thing they do is they go in the garage to get it out and they notice all the tires are flat and they're dry rotted so they go put a set of tires on it sure okay well now they've spent some money then the next thing they hit the brake pedal well it goes to the floor so they tow it somewhere and they get all this brake work done on it and then next thing they notice it doesn't start so they tow it somewhere the point is at this point is not when you want to find out this car has major 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 problems because you've already spent a few thousand bucks the point is you want to bring this to someone who can evaluate the car before you ever spend a nickel on it you don't want to spend any money at all until you find out where this is going to end up right hey we're going to take a quick little break be right right back with a whole lot more Lie back and tell me what's stressing you out, Mr. Hervorted supervillain, arch nemesis of good. I have electric superpowers, blah, blah, blah. And it sounds like you're burnt out and stressed about your job. Yes, Doctor, the pressure is insane. My wife's always nagging me about my evil plans not being up to par. Melting the polar ice caps, blocking out the sun, world domination. None of it's good enough for her. Uh, Some days... I just want a garden. Herr Voltage, I can't really advise you on your super evil plans, but I can offer this advice on gaining some peace of mind. Bring your car in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They check your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and they catch any problems early so you don't have major repairs down the road. Hmm, I know Agco could work on my Scion, but can they work on my G19 thermonuclear urban assault car copter? You'll have to call Agco about that. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Join us at the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. 
we were talking today a little bit about cars that are not economically feasible repair. And Correct. So on as that. But, of course, we'll take questions on any topic you might have. You're never limited to whatever we may be discussing any given day. That's why we're here live <laughs> and in person this morning. There you go. And if you don't think to call in or maybe just don't get a chance to call in. Or maybe you think of something after we go off the air today. There you go. You can always go to the website, get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button and fill out the form and send it in, and Lewis will get back to you within 24 hours. There you go, and it's always just that easy. We're going back our phone lines with A.J. Good morning, A.J. Was that? <clears throat> My name's Al. Was that you? Okay, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I couldn't read the screen. Go ahead, Al. Oh, okay, yeah. No, I've got a 95 Cadillac, and I've got a... Service engine light, service engine soon light has come on a couple of times, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm just wondering, a car that old, is there going to be anything stored? Is going to be any clue? Or is this going to be a hit and miss thing here? It's going to be a lot more difficult than the '96 and up because they store a lot more data. And on '96 up, you get what they call PID data, which is live. You have live communication with the computer. On '95, that's OBD one. It doesn't give you as much, but most likely it will definitely store a code. So you do have some way to go at fixing it and fortunately al because the car was so much simpler than cars today there's just not that many more things that'll go wrong with it compared to a car today you know in a car today if it came on you didn't have it the pit day and all that you'd be almost up against it you just because just thousands of things that can cause a problem uh-huh. those you really don't have as many possibilities so yeah i'm more than sure it's going to have some code stored that'll give you an idea where to start looking there are some manual tests you can do unless it's something really obscure you should be able to find that talk about this economic feasible to repair i'd mm-hmm. uh, i'd hate to, have to know what a catalytic converter costs for this thing so uh yeah and <laughs> you, you you can't even get the original right. equipment part you'd be stuck with an aftermarket one which is not as good as the original but that's just what you can get yeah i mean it's one of these deals where what i would recommend now is to bring it in and have a like we sell a general inspection that's where we go through the car we check everything before you start spending any money on it and, you know, if the rest of the car looks good and it's not any big looming problems, then I'd go ahead and diagnose the check engine light and go from there. You can make up a decision, but at least you're making an informed decision. You don't want to start throwing money into something that's going to be a never-ending problem. Okay. Then again, you don't want to throw away a good car either, you know. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Al. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Hi, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. Area code two two five will get you to us wherever you may be. That it will. And that I guess a good point. Before you go start spending money on a car, you always want to see where you are inevitably going. Sure, let's let's evaluate what you what you have and see what it's going to take to get it back up to standard. Well, very often we get people come in and they have no earthly clue of what things should have been done to the car we get Mm -hmm. this quite a bit where people bring a car in and you have to tactfully try to tell them the car is just never it's not economically feasible to repair well why what i I said well you never did any maintenance well i always change the all yes that is one thing that needed to be done but there are lots of other things that needed to be done you've never changed the coolant so it's turned into acid, and the heater core is leaking, the radiator's leaking, the water pump's leaking. The inside of the block is eat up. It's yeah, completely never corroded because this coolant, all the corrosion protection went away five years ago. So for five years, been eating the system up, and that's only one thing. 
you know, you've got a battery that's leaking. It's got acid all over the air conditioning lines. They're about it's to the go cables out. Up. It's eating the cables up. It's got yak, 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 right. yak, yak, yak. And well, how, how was I supposed to know? Well, my, I don't know. It's, it's your car. It's your responsibility to know. But you could have brought it in for an inspection, you know, a general inspection, and all this could have got caught and sure. prevented, or a lot of it could have got caught and prevented. The problem is once you get to that point, now it's really too late to try to turn around and go back. And I always make the analysis uh, because people seem to understand when you start talking about a human body, but mm-hmm. it's sort of like a person who just never took care of himself. They were a couple hundred pounds overweight. They ate what they wanted. They smoked sure. every, every day of their life, three packs of cigarettes. Maybe they drank more than they should have. And now something major has happened. And Yeah, now you've got a major problem, and mm-hmm. you're up in age, and it's just – of course, with a person, you don't have a point where they're not economically feasible to repair, but it may not be possible <laughs> right. to repair. If you've got enough maladies, it may not be possible. They may be able to extend your life or relieve your symptoms for a period of time. But, but other than that, yeah. Yeah, you just, you know, it's too late to say, hey, I'm going to go get myself back in shape now. Right. You know, I'm going to quit smoking. Okay, that's great, but you got no lungs, you know, and, and your liver's got cancer and you got yak, 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 yak. You know, unfortunate to talk about that in human terms, but the same thing can happen to a car. The time to take care of the car is before it gets into that condition. Sure. And that's know, where the maintenance comes in. Well, that's where maintenance will really, really do a good job of cutting your costs long term. And one of the things with a car is that if you don't take care of it like that, it doesn't mean you are going to immediately have symptoms that you're going to recognize. Mm-hmm. It means the odds of having symptoms go way up. Sure. It's all a matter of odds because every time you talk to somebody about, well, I never did that and I didn't have any trouble. Okay, well, you got lucky. You just got incredibly lucky. Either you just had a really, really good car or maybe your particular car, whatever. But the point is, if we look at 10,000 cars that have been maintained and 10,000 cars that have not been maintained. The ones that have not been maintained are more, most likely to be the ones that are not going to be economically feasible to repair. That's right. It's just you've gotten to the point where there's just no. Nothing left to work with. Nothing left here to work with. Sure. And, I mean, like you said earlier, anything could probably be repaired. Oh, yeah. Given enough money. Given enough money and enough parts and enough time. But, I mean, unless this car has a very, very, very strong sentimental attachment, there's just no reason to repair it. Exactly. And that's one thing I always try to tell people. There is no place for sentimentality with a car. There's really not, but there is. You know, <laughs> there, there is that sen- I, I know it happens. sentimental value. But the thing is, this is a car. It's a machine. Sure. It does not love you. It does not care about you. Right. It's just a machine. And when... It may have belonged to a loved one or something, but that car is not the loved one. If you want to honor the memory of a loved one, find a better way. You donate some money to their favorite charity or, or whatever. Better better still treat them real nice when they're alive. <laughs> but the thing is, a car is not something you want to get sentimentally attached to. Like I said, it's a machine. Sure. When they get to a certain point where they're going to cost more to maintain than what they're worth, then it's, it's time, time to let go. To let go. Yeah. Because with a person you may spend an inordinate amount of money trying to keep this person alive i I totally get that even with a pet you may spend more money than some people think it's worth but you are sentimentally attached to this pet you know it's a living being but a car is not that it's one of those things the way to me to get to get from point a to point b is the lowest cost i can Mm -hmm. and the reason that i maintain my cars is because that is the lowest way for me to get from point a to point b 
in a reliable fashion without having to spend more money than I have to. Right. I mean, I was talking to some buddies of mine this weekend, and they were these guys are retired from business, and they've done well for themselves, and they've always leased cars. Okay. Every three years, they get a new car. And they were saying, well, you know, yeah, it's great. Da, da, da. Well, yeah, almost any car will be great under those terms. Well, sure, for three years. I mean, if basically you, all you have to do is change the oil in them. If you're going to rent a car, which is what you're doing, sure, you're not ever accruing any equity. But if you look down and you write up all those lease <laughs> yeah. payments and look at how much money you're spending for transportation, how much money do you spend to get from point A to point B? Exactly. I can show you a way that you can do that for about one-fifth of that. By buying a car, buy a three-year-old car that's already depreciated out, you're buying it about half price. Sure. Probably not hurt a whole lot because it doesn't have a lot of big maintenance requirements for three years. So if you catch it at three years, you can start a good maintenance regimen on this car. I mean, if just the oil's been changed in it on a fairly regular basis. That's really all it needs for the first three years. Mm-hmm. You're going to be pretty good. Yeah. Now, a car, when you buy it, and in the first year, it's going to lose a huge portion of its value, depending well, it, on the type of car. It's going to lose that as soon as you roll it off the lot. Right. But up to about 30% of the its value year. the first year. Mm-hmm. The second year, it's going to drop to about 25%. And the third year, it's going to drop to about 15 to 20%. But the point is, you've lost somewhere around 50 to 60% of the value of the car in the first three years. Sure. So if you can walk in at three years... You're already ahead of the game. Yeah, you're buying the car for 40% of what it costs new. You got 60% of the money to stick into a savings instrument that mm-hmm. you can draw interest on. If the car breaks, you got the money to get it fixed. There you go. You know, you're not getting anything for free when you buy a car with a warranty. The warranty is added into the price of the car. It is. And every car manufacturer, they just look at the car and say, okay, it's going to break this many times. On average, it costs this much to fix it. We need to charge that much plus administrative fee, plus we want to make a little profit on this like we do in everything else we do. All that's added back to the price of the car. Exactly. So all they're doing is playing the numbers. They're selling you an overpriced, reducing-term insurance policy. That's all a warranty truly is. Mm -hmm. And they're saying, yeah, we'll fix the car if it breaks. But, I mean, the odds are way, 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 way in their favor. Well, yeah. I mean, up to the first 12,000 miles, the repair doesn't usually cost anything. After the 12,000 miles... Then you have a deductible you have to pay to have the car worked on under warranty. Mm-hmm. So you're actually out of pocket again. Yeah. So, I mean, the point is, go ahead and handle that warranty yourself. Sure. By buying the car right to start with, taking a portion of the savings, putting it into a savings instrument of some sort, mm-hmm. and that way when the car breaks, you've got the money to get it fixed. What I'm saying is go to a proactive type of method where you become your own insurance, your self-insuring basically exactly. at this point. And the savings is what the insurance company was making before. And if you ever start looking at very many insurance companies, I've never seen any of them that were really, really too no. poor. No, <laughs> they do not it at pretty, all. They do it pretty well. <laughs> there they hey, are. take another quick little break and be right back for more in the Automotive Hour. Ah, yes, Mr. Bigfoot. Uh, make yourself comfortable on the couch and tell me what has stressed you out. Uh, I'm just a secluded forest dweller, and I like it like that. But every now and then I get these people hunting me down. There's a TV show, jerky commercials, and now another movie. Then I worry about the hype. If they do find me, will my feet be big enough? Well, Mr. Foot, I can't really do much about these people, but I can tell you how to create some peace of mind in your life. Do like me and take your car to Agco once a year for a general inspection. They provide me an honest opinion on the maintenance and repairs I need now and in the future. 
They can even catch small issues that could lead to big expensive problems down the road. And they go general inspection, huh? Oh, one more thing, Doc. Could you tell me where I can find this toilet paper? I've heard wonderful things about it. Here's Agco's number. And the name of another store that may ship some TP straight to your cave. Thanks, Doc. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Go ahead and give us a call. Our number is 291-6901. And should you happen to be out of the area, the area code is 225. There you go. Get you right up straight to the top of the list, and we'll get your questions answered for you. Talking a little bit today about cars that maybe are not feasible to repair, uh-huh. and so on as that, but... There's also a lot of cars that are feasible to repair. Sure. And because a repair is large, a lot of times people tend to look at it as, well, I don't want to spend, that's more than a car is worth. But what is a car truly worth? Well, it's transportation. Yeah. If you look at it as a cost of transportation, for instance, I've seen insurance companies, and I like to watch insurance companies because they are very good money managers. Sure. I'm not saying they're always nice guys. I'm not saying they're always model citizens. But they are generally very good at what they do, Mm -hmm. which is manage money. They make a big return by selling people insurance products, which nothing wrong with that, free enterprise system. Right. God bless you. That's what business you're in. What I'm saying is very, very, very often we could self-insure things and we can make the profit that the insurance company is making by doing the same things and looking at things the same way that they look at them and the way they do them. One thing I've seen, insurance company will come in and a car may be valued at, say, $20,000, and they will do $10,000 worth of repair on it mm-hmm. and think nothing of it. Well, the average person, if they had a car valued at, say, $20,000 and need $10,000 repaired, oh, well, that car ain't worth it. Right. We're, we're going to get rid of this one. But what the insurance company says is 10000 is only half of 20000 Okay. So if we're looking at replacing this vehicle, it's way cheaper for us to repair it than it, it is, is to, to replace, replace it. it. But the average person doesn't tend to look at things that way because they're not trained as money managers. Mm-hmm. So... The point is, let's say you've got a car and it needs a major repair. I've got one of our regular listeners who emailed earlier in the week, and he's got a Chevy uh, pickup, I think it is. Okay. And the motor has given, I think the uh, fuel management Um, management went out, which is going to be a big repair, and it's got around 175,000 miles in the car. Okay. So he was asking, would it make more sense to put an engine in it? And I said, well, most likely it would because at that many miles – Depending on how it's been taken, if it's been meticulously cared for, then no, I would just do the repair. repair. On it. You know, we've got a fleet of trucks that we maintain regularly, and they have no trouble at all. But again, they get regular oil changes with Mobile One sure. on a use-based method, so they have no problems at all with that. But if someone maintained it according to GM's strategy, which is what seven to ten thousand mile oil changes. And maybe they missed one every now and then, or maybe they didn't use the right quality of all. They didn't use Dexos 2 specification right. all. Yeah, you're probably going to have some problems, and you're probably going to have other problems with it. The point is, he says, well, it's going to be X dollars to replace this engine. And I think that's maybe more than what the car's worth. I said, well, the car is worth what it's going to require to replace it, because you have to have a way to get point A to point B. Right, you're still going to roll. That's right. If we look at the vehicle, let's say right now with no motor, it's worth zero. 
I mean, sure. you could donate it. You could sell it for parts, but it's virtually worth zero. Let's say we dump seven thousand dollars into it. Well, now the vehicle's probably worth ten to twelve thousand dollars at least. Uh-huh. But the point is, if the rest of the vehicle is in good shape, you can use it for three to five more years, and you can probably still get your seven thousand back out of it. Right. So it's either walk away now with zero. And he still owed money on the vehicle, so you still got to pay so that no matter down what. Already, you're upside right. down because the finance company's not going to say, oh, "Okay, well the vehicle's bad, we're not going to charge you that." Yeah, you know, that, that ain't going to happen. Yeah, you're going to pay for that regardless. So the point is, even a major repair, as long as the vehicle is in otherwise good condition, can be economically feasible. Sure. And the way that you would know that is to bring it in for a good general inspection. Now, if you've had a general inspection every year on the vehicle. Probably you won't be in this situation to start with because the vehicle's been maintained. Mm-hmm. But should something major happen where it does involve a large repair? Well, I mean, anything can happen. Anything can happen. I mean, you could be going down the road, hit something, knock a big hole in the oil pan, dump all the oil out. Burn the motor up. Not right. able to stop and burn the engine up. Sure. Doesn't matter how well it was maintained. It's just one of those things. I mean, you could hit something in the road, break the transmission case. Mm-hmm. I mean, all sorts of things can happen. I've seen where people will blow a radiator hose or a water pump or whatever, keep driving it because they had to, and we're in a situation where they just couldn't stop and burn the motor up. Sure. Well, happens. no matter how well you maintain, well, I guess if you maintain the vehicle well enough, you probably wouldn't have got to the point where you <laughs> had a bad well pump or a bad hose because that got spotted beforehand. But be that as it may, you can get into situations where you're going to have to spend a large chunk of sure. money. And that's what you're trying to prevent by doing the maintenance. But, when you get to that point, that's where knowing the vehicle is a good vehicle otherwise helps you to make a decision on that. An educated decision. An educated decision that's going to probably work out well for you. Mm-hmm. I remember in my Buick, it had a transmission in that car that was pretty much junk right. from the get-go, and it was maintained well, but at around 80,000 miles, the transmission went out. So now I'm looking at a car that was, I think, four years old at that time well and, and at this point it doesn't move yeah it doesn't move so it's really not worth anything anyway i elected to go ahead and put a transmission in it so josh rebuilt the transmission in it at the same time i needed four tires so i put four tires sure. on it but then i put almost one hundred ninety thousand miles total so i got a whole another hundred thousand miles out of it out of that one vehicle out of that same vehicle so was that a pretty good investment well yeah oh yeah yeah i mean if i would have went and bought something new i'd have to throw that one away well at four years it wasn't even paid for yet yeah well mine was well yeah <laughs> most most of them wouldn't be a lot of people's wouldn't be so yeah now they're upside down in it and the point is i got a lot of more useful miles out of it and when i sold the vehicle i got way over the retail value of the car mm-hmm. i mean i think when i got rid of the car it was about 15 years old right. had way over two hundred thousand miles on it i think the value of the car book value was around fifteen hundred dollars well a guy gave me three thousand for it just because it had been maintained well sure. it looked like a brand new car i mean the paint job was still nice and shiny the car ran like a brand new one. The right. air condition was nice and cold. Well, it's just one of those, you know, we're tired, we're ready to, to get a new car. Yeah, well, I wasn't, but well, uh, yeah. the, the other <laughs> mama, half was. My mama was. <laughs> well, that's right. That's right. You know, and again, talking about all these things, 
there is one time, one point in your life where it is time to get a new car, and that is when you just want a new car. Exactly. Now, if you're at that point, I just want a new car. By all means, go yeah. get it. I mean, if you can afford it, and that's going to make you happy. Life is too short to worry about everything. I mean, you can't just you know invest and save and scrimp and do without all your life. You mm-hmm. got to have some fun in your life, or else what's the point? If a new car is truly going to make you happy, then go buy a new car. Sure. The point is, most of the time, what people find is that once they get that new car, it really doesn't yeah. make them quite as happy as they thought it was. Right. And then they start looking at what the cost is. I remember my old granddaddy used to always tell me, boy, I don't ever let you wants get above your knees. Yeah. And that's what it's a matter of, is you have certain things in life that are considered needs. You do have a need of transportation. Mm-hmm. And some people would argue that you don't. But if you live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, there's very little mass transit. The city is extremely spread out. Sure. Most people live in one area, work in another area, shop in another area, and go to school in another area. It's not like you got community. Like it used to be. Everything. Yeah. yeah like, I mean, the in, little the, small in the towns. French Quarter where I live, a car is really more of an inconvenience than it is a help because I can walk anywhere I want to go. If I can't walk, I can ride my bike. If I can't ride my bike or walk, I can catch a cab or Uber. And if I yeah. just want to go somewhere, I can always run a car once or twice a year, go on vacation or whatever. The point is, if you live in a city like Baton Rouge, you've got to have a car. That is that is what I consider a necessity because okay. you're not be able to go to the store, you're not be able to go to your job, you're not be able to go to school, you're not be able to get to places. So it goes from a want to a necessity. However, you don't need a new car. You need transportation, transportation, and you really want reliable transportation or mm-hmm. need reliable transportation. But you know the car companies have spent billions if not trillions of dollars to convince you of one thing and that is new car equals no problems that's well that's really not true no it's not just go into any dealership anywhere in town anywhere in the in the united states and look in the service department right and one reason they don't want to let you in the service department because they don't want you to see all the all brand new, new cars sitting out there with transmissions out of them and motors right. out of them and all that but some anyone, of them don't even make it off the truck yeah anybody who's ever worked in a new car dealership Knows. realizes that new car does not equal no problems nope. it's a mechanical device it's, gonna it's got break. thousands of moving parts. If any one of them goes down, the car is going to quit moving. Sure. And the second fallacy is with a modern car is that as the cars get older, they're not as reliable. Well, that's really not true either because a car today is basically a big computer on wheels. Exactly. And if you ever had a laptop or a PC at home, it probably you got tired of seeing it or the operating system got obsolete or whatever, and you went ahead and bought another one, mm-hmm. but it was probably working just fine. Computers are pretty reliable. They don't go out a great, great deal. Right. And when they do, they can generally be fixed relatively easy. But, you know, you just wanted a new computer, so you bought a new one. Same thing with the car. You know, an older car that's been well-maintained is just as reliable as a new car may be. And that's another point. A lot of times what happens with people, when the car starts to get older, they may have maintained it pretty well when it was new. As it starts to get older, they say, well, you know, this car is old, so I'm going to buy a cheap set of cheap tires and put it on I don't want to spend that much money on an old car. Mm-hmm. So they put a set of cheap tires on it. And then the battery goes out. Well, I'm going to go buy cheap a cheap with the battery. battery. And, you know, I'm really not going to change my oil every 3,000 miles anymore. I'm going to push it out further because it's an old car. Well, that is exactly the opposite of, of what, what you, you need should be to doing. Do. Right. Yeah. As the car gets older, just like your body, it's going to need better care. You know, when you're 18 years old, I mean, you can stay up all night and eat Twinkies and drink yeah. Coca-Cola and rock and roll, and, you know, it might knock you down a little bit, but you're going to be right back. You're yeah. 
get one night of rest, you back roll it again. You turn fifty, you can't do that anymore. You, you, you still got <laughs> you some can, more miles but, uh, in you, but you ain't gonna be yeah. able to do it. Like I always say, I can still go to parties, can't stay all night. <laughs> I was just fixing to quote that same phrase. That's right. <laughs> but the thing is, as the car gets older, it requires better, better care. care. So you need a better battery in the car because the rest of the electrical system is going to be somewhat compromised. All of the connections are not going to be as good as they were when they were new. Exactly. The alternator is not as hot as it was when it was new. Some things are drawing more amperage than it did when it was new. The blower motor gets older. It starts to draw a little more amperage. The cooling system, even though you change your cooling out and you've done so on a regular basis, the water pump's not brand new. The radiator's not brand new. The engine block is not brand new like it was when the car was new. Mm-hmm. There's so, some corrosion that built in it. They got some in there doesn't mean that the car is not perfectly reliable and going to go a long long ways further but you need good brand of coolant you Mm -hmm. need to change on a timely basis you need a good set of tires on the car because all of the front end now has a little bit of slack and stuff in there so now if you get an out-around tire it's really going to beat it up it's going to just beat it to death and we see this all the time people get a car and it's got a hundred thousand miles on it well i'm gonna put a set of cheap tires on it it's got a hundred thousand miles i'm put well pretty soon the car just craters out well i'm glad sure. i didn't spend any money because it <laughs> cratered out well no it didn't die you killed it exactly <laughs> you murdered it <laughs> <laughs> so like i said the point is you can get a lot of reliable miles out of a car much much more than the average person thinks mm-hmm. but you have to take care of it along the way and older it gets the better, better care, care it needs. hey yep. last quick little break and be right back with more So lie back on the couch, Ms. Bo Peep, and tell me what's got you stressed. Ugh, my sheep keep getting lost. I mean, they're in the meadow one minute, and I look down at a text, and then I don't know where to find them. And they keep doing it. Let me level with you, Doc. Sheep are not the smartest animals. <laughs> not you, Denise. You're the exception. Look, Doc, you ever try to have a conversation with a sheep? It's a little one-sided. They just look at you with this blank look on their faces. That and the whole getting lost thing has me at my wit's end. I can't really help you with losing sheep, but I can tell you how to get a little peace of mind. Do like me and take your car into Agco Automotive once a year for a general inspection. They check everything out and perform maintenance on what you need to keep your car running right, and it saves money in the long run. Ooh, with the money I save, I can buy some shock collars to keep those little halfwits in one place. <laughs> Denise, you know I wouldn't do that to you. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco. It's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead technician, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any questions you may have. This is your last chance this week to get a live answer. That it is. Other than that, you're going to need to go to the website. Which is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Click the button, fill out the form, and send it in. There you go, and you can get an answer that way. But if you want to talk to somebody live and in person, right now is your time. Right now is the time. (laughs) (laughs) Still got a few more minutes. Take another call or two. Yeah. We were talking today about older cars Uh and fixing them and and so on as that. And one thing you brought up, and it's not such a problem here, but cars rusting out, the body of the car rusting out. 
In South Louisiana, that's really not much of a problem. Not really. Because we don't have to salt on the road. Right. You get most of that from uh, up north mm-hmm. where the, they salt the roads in the winter times, and that salt just attacks the metal, and before long, you got a rust hole you can stick your fist through. Right. Of course, there, there w- are, washing the car a lot more often can help with that. I it think. does. And there are drains in the bottom of the front fenders and in the bottom, bottom of the doors and things for any water that gets in there. If you can keep those drains clear right. and clean, you'll have a lot less rust issues. That You park under a tree, mm-hmm. and the stuff that falls out the tree, it lands in the cow, and the cow gets wet, and it runs it off in the bottom of the fender, and it gets stuck there. And then before long, it just starts accumulating, and the fender's stacked up. Now the water can't drain out right. anymore. It's got water, and more to the point, it gets dust and dirt accumulates from the road in there and then when it gets wet now you got mud which is holding the washer get the inside of that fender and it so will now rust you got, out from the inside yeah, well you like burn the candle on both ends now because mm-hmm. you got rust tack from the outside and the inside so it doesn't take but half as long to go through and that brings up a good point if you've got somewhere to keep your car be it a carport or even better like a garage a garage would be ideal cars really really like to be put in a garage it keeps them out of the weather it keeps the ultraviolet rays from killing the paint sure of course if you don't have a garage you, uh, keeping a good coat of wax on it will help do a lot of the same things even covering it car covers are sure. fairly cheap but it keeps all the debris that falls out of trees and all that from getting sticking to everything yeah. sticking in the paint and how often do we get a car in and water's pouring in on the right hand side and you pull the cow vent and it's full of pine needles sure. and oak leaves the drains and, are all stopped up and the water has nowhere to go so it backs up into the vent and goes inside the car mm-hmm. just the next place for it to go down and yeah. it ends up on the floorboard that's right it comes pouring in and you know that of course leads to the carpet starting to rot mildewing and mm-hmm. a much bigger problem maybe the floor rusting out so if you've got a place to keep your car like i said a carport is way better than nothing at all. Sure. At least it keeps the ultraviolet rays off of it. Keeps it, it from being rained in and the, sitting under a tree and collecting debris. Protects and, it a lot, but a garage is, is even better. And certainly there are people who just don't have the benefit right. of a garage. If you live in an apartment complex or a condo mm-hmm. and it didn't come equipped with a garage, well, then you just you can't go in and build a garage. Exactly. You just don't have that option. So the point there is you need to probably wash the car a little more often. Keep a good coat of wax on it. A good coat of good wax, and I'm not talking about the polish that comes in a bottle. It's real easy to put on. Basically, if you could just rub it on, rub it off, it's going to be easy to apply, but it's probably not going to afford you the protection of a good carnauba wax, sure. which has to really be rubbed a lot because it's leaving a, a film behind mm-hmm. that you have to polish to make shiny so the car looks good again. But it's not going to be real easy to apply. Now, if you got the wherewithal and the desire to do it, that's fine. If not, you can pay someone to do it. Sure. But if the car sits out in the weather, that's going to be your first line of defense to keep the car body and all good. Exactly. Of course, keeping the inside of the car clean will help a great deal. If you have to eat in your car, which I know it's just... Some people do. I never like that idea, but some people have to do that for various reasons. But if you vacuum the car out regularly, because if you drop one little piece of food and it goes down into the carpet, you may not see it. Mm-hmm. But insects and all may be attracted to this. Now, you start getting insects in the car, which are going to eat up the carpet. You get mites and one thing and another because the food source there. And that kind of stuff is going to shorten the life of the interior of the car. When the interior of the car goes, then pretty much you feel bad about the car. So you quit taking re- care yeah, of it. Yeah, the rest of it. On and on it goes. But... Beyond that, as far as the maintenance of the car, 
what happens to a lot of people is, and I see this a lot with older people, they are so used to symptom-based repairs. For instance, it used to be, and you can probably remember this time, when you really wouldn't bring a car in until there was a symptom of some sort. Mm-hmm. The car would get hard to start, or maybe start the car would start idling rough, or maybe it would start dying on you, and you would bring it in, and they would do some repair to it, and you'd go on about your business. The point is, you will largely not get symptoms with modern cars, because what they've done, they've engineered those out. The computer can compensate for so many different factors. Up to a certain point. Up to a certain point. The thing is, when, let's say, the spark plugs start to wear in your car, it used to be when it got to about 10,000, 12,000 miles. Well, it started running bad, yeah, it would idle run, bad. And you knew you needed a tune-up. So right, you, so, so you, you go, go in. It. But nowadays, you can get to 100,000 miles, which they recommend on the plugs, but the car still runs fine. So exactly. Why should I waste the money on that? Well, because that plug gap has worn now, so the computer sees that and says, wait a minute, we need some more spark here. Mm-hmm. So it increases the time that yeah, the, the coil stays the, the on. The duty cycle to the call is increased. Right. And when it gets to a certain point, the coil can't take it anymore, and the coil will burn up. That's right. And then you will have a dead miss. Right. That is the that is the next symptom you're going to get. Well, and a dead miss results in gas going into catalytic converter. So if you keep driving it, now you got a catalytic converter bad. So what you've done is taken the fact that if you could have just changed these spark plugs and prevented all this. Sure. Well, now we've got we need one, two, three call packs. Easy. We need a diagnosis to figure out which ones it is. We possibly need a catalytic converter. So because, we have maybe yeah. taken a two hundred dollar service and turned it into a two thousand dollar service or more. Sure. And it's because there was never a symptom. The same thing with the coolant. The coolant on most vehicles is supposed to be replaced at five years. The new coolant. That's the original fill. Right. Five years. Three years thereafter. Reason being, no matter how good a job you do, you can never get 100% of the old coolant out. The only way to get 100% of the coolant out is to take the engine out, take it apart, turn it over. Disassemble the engine. Put it, in a, put it in a wash and, and wash it out. even then, you hadn't got the corrosion that's no, in the block. You, you hadn't got the corrosion that's in the heater core. You hadn't got the corrosion that's in the radiator and the hoses so the point is if you do replace it on a timely basis you're 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 replenishing replenishing all this anti-corrosion materials before it goes bad right before it gets bad you don't wait until it's bad and then try to well the radiator goes out because got a hole rusted through it a heater car goes out well now you got a major major repair on your hand there was never a light that came on there was never a warning it just they tell you do this Mm -hmm. and they expect you're going to do it and, and you can't uh, remember to do all that. You bring it in for a general inspection, and the guy who inspects it is going to say, hey, it's time this to due. do this, 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 this. Another example of that might be a transmission service. If you do not service your transmission, it is not going to quit shifting. Nope. It's not going to start shifting funny. In fact, if it quits shifting or starts shifting funny, a, a service is not going to help it. It's too little too late. You've got a problem at that sure. point. But the thing is, if you don't service that transmission, when you do get to a certain point, it's going to do these things. Well, now it's into a transmission rebuild or transmission replacement. Could have been prevented, but you're not going to get a symptom. You're not going to necessarily get a warning. Mm-hmm. You just have to know that at this many miles and this many years, this is what's due. I need to do this. Again, as cars get older, that becomes more and more critical. It does. New cars are more forgiving, just like young people's body is more forgiving. You can do a whole lot more stuff to yourself when you're 20 than you, you can, can when you're, when yeah. You're, yeah, I watch football every once in a while. I see these guys take a hit that would absolutely kill me. Oh, yeah. I would not survive it. They get up, shake it all, run back, and then just keep on playing. <laughs> you know, it's just one is a 
young body that's in perfect shape dealing with an old body that's in average shape. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I think we've pretty well yep. covered that. We need to start getting ready to get on out of here. Tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Tell your friends, go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service and find a written view and fill it out for us. Hey, yo, we sure appreciate it when you fill out those written views because what it does is it moves us up in the ranking so more people can listen. More people listen. The longer we can do the show. The longer we can do the show. There you go. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.